All right, we are back again for another episode of the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast. I'm Cliff. Chocolate Buddha in the house. We're in Shibuya again, our second, third, fourth, fifth home. And, uh, yeah, we're out here in the streets kicking in a 99 Chevy van, all decked out, dope, you know, with two dope sisters who we're going to have fun with here. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. We are a podcast that focus on the international community here in Tokyo. Um, we like to share a variety of perspectives from different angles, from women, from men, from people from America, UK, all over the world, right? And our guests today are some sisters from, from the motherland. Yes, sir. All right, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. So ladies, go ahead, whoever wants to go Hi, first. Hi, I'm Sarah. 26 from Nigeria, but grew up in Germany. So Nigerian German, can you say that? Yeah, and I live in Tokyo now for over a year. Thanks. Nice. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm Buki. Since we're saying age 27. Um, Same age? No, no. Oh. Since we're talking oh, about, okay, you know, okay. since she said her age. Um, well, <laughs> okay. 27. Yeah, I didn't get in catch. It's yeah. okay. Sorry, 27. Uh, born in Nigeria as well. Um Moved to Canada when I was 13, so I would say I was brought up in Nigeria and Canada. And now I live in Tokyo. I've been in Tokyo for two and a half years now and uh, almost five years in total. Well, five and a half years in total in Japan. Wow. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Awesome, awesome. Well, since everybody's just giving their age away, (laughs) I'm Chocolate Buddha and I'm 58 years old. And uh, welcome to the Mobile Man Cave, ladies. (laughs) Thanks for having us. Wow, thank you. Uh, Yeah, I'm Cliff and I I forget how old I am, but I think I'm going to be 38 this month. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Age it happens, ain't, you know. I think I'm going to be 38. nothing but a number. True. Yeah. True. <laughs> this is Diana from the podcast Curly and Kansai. You are now listening to the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast. Okay, so let's talk about, so obviously you two ladies are Nigerian. How long or how much time did you spend in Nigeria? Um, About half my life, really. Um, I'm 20, turned 27 in April and moved to Canada when I was 13. So pretty much half my lifetime has been in Nigeria. Give us some, like, what were your memories of my Nigeria? Obviously, you've been in Canada for a while. When you think back on your, your life in Nigeria, you know, let, let us in. Describe I mean, how, I, it, how it was. I, I remember vividly everything okay, yeah. <laughs> about living in Nigeria. I mean, I, well, I was in boarding school in Nigeria all through all all up till when I moved to Canada um started school at a very young age so I was in high school yeah I was in high school when I moved to Canada so I, I'm not really <laughs> yeah yeah so you, you you were one of those uh bright kids because I was in boarding school no, well, because you said you started high school early, oh, early, right? No, no. Generally, you start school. You start school at a young age in Nigeria. Oh, really? Yeah, my my sister was um, fifteen and she had just finished high school. But then again, we skipped. We both skipped two two years. Oh, okay. So we both skipped two classes. Ah, uh, two grades. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Well, right. I will. I wouldn't really say that means you're smart, but you know, <laughs> you might just be. A, you might just be good at taking tests. Okay. Right. Okay. 
And uh, okay, so any other? Do you have any bad memories of bad memories of living in Nigeria? Yeah, or any any hardships? Any um, well, things that you didn't really didn't really sit too well with you when you were there. Things that didn't sit well with me. Um, there weren't many things that didn't sit well with me. I would say because I was in boarding school and I was a kid, really. So everything was okay. In yeah. essence, um, boarding life in boarding school, I would say, was interesting um, because you learn a lot about yourself. And I was very happy that I was there with my sister because in boarding school, you're pretty much to yourself. And um, I, I think it's kind of similar in Japan, not so much in the West where you're like someone who's older than you is has basically authority in essence to do whatever they want so I, I having an older sister with me at the time was very helpful I would say um, yeah but you you learn to be strong you learn to be strong for yourself really so <laughs> yeah so boarding school is like uh, you know I've never been to a boarding school I mean what well, I mean, different. are you yeah, like it's away? Different. Boarding school in Nigeria is different. Oh, okay. Are <laughs> yeah, you like away like... from your parents for a certain yeah. amount of time? Uh... Yeah, you you live you live on the school grounds on school premises throughout the school year. Um, sometimes you can go home during the holidays if you want. Um, some people stay. My 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 dad lived in the UK at the time, so my mom would go visit him. Um, sometimes, so we would stay on school grounds, which is fine. Almost um, like being in the military or something. Well, kind of. Boarding school in Nigeria is yeah. kind of like being in the military, really. <laughs> because so, well, I mean, well, I, I wouldn't go as far as shaving off your head, but in, in Nigeria, I think I, I, I mean, back then, um, you have the school uniform. Your hairstyle is part of your school uniform. So the girls get the, if you have hair, you you all have to have the same hairstyle every week, right? So if you don't do it, you either shave off your head because, I mean, you have to have the same hairstyle. Um, but the system in boarding school in Nigeria is, I mean, you have the housemistress, um, you get your provisions, yada, 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 but there's a tight schedule. You know, you wake up at this time, as long as you make your bed, you have to make your bed every day. Literally, is like the military and the bed has to be like properly made, like wow. smooth. Um, there, I mean, you go to, you go for breakfast, you, your siesta, all of that. Um, you have a set time for studying. Um, you have siesta time. If you're not sleeping or in bed during siesta, you're in trouble. Basically, um, everyone takes turn to clean the toilet. Um, it could be your punishment to clean the toilet. If you do something or you're late, you could clean the toilet for a week. A senior, someone, so let's say I'm in grade eight for example a grade nine could punish me to clean the toilet for a week (laughs) basically (laughs) so it literally is like living in the military but it was definitely a fun experience i don't think i would take it back um at all so so what would you say are the benefits of going to boarding school um, opposed to what like a a public school benefit of going it teaches you discipline yeah really discipline and forced respect if not for yourself or other people or vice versa um really and it it teaches you to an extent like how to understand 
interacting or just co coexisting with other people. Yeah. Really. Pretty much like so. what the military does. Right. <laughs> it yeah, literally right. is like the yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when your parents decided to send you to boarding school, what was their like reasoning for it? Were you like were you like a bad girl at home or no. something like that? Or they, they just yeah, wanted boarding to... Boarding uh, school in Nigeria... Going to boarding school in Nigeria doesn't mean you're a bad kid and your parents just want to get rid it's more Yeah, it's, a, it's relatively common in Nigeria. And for us, I, I think, like, my, my dad being overseas and it's just my mom and two girls and a boy. I mean, a single mom and two girls. It's like, it's, it's, it's easier to send your kids to boarding school um yeah is it more expensive uh, yeah it's so, expensive. yeah i mean that's and it's I, private pri- uh, i don't know if they have public boarding schools but mm. from my experience boarding schools are mostly private schools yeah. so yeah. private schools in nigeria are quite which, expensive which, which yeah. same across the world yeah. private okay. schools are. so yeah so yeah. it's more expensive okay but and and what what was your father doing in the uk um he well when i was a lot younger um he got a visa lottery to study, and then he ended up staying to work. So he was working. Okay. All in right. the UK. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. So all, yeah, all the fuck. yeah, Nigeria was was a good life. It was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely. I I think I think it gave me a sense of maturity I probably would not have had um, if I grew up if I was born in in Canada, because when I moved to Canada at thirteen. Like people, my age mates or classmates, I looked at them. I was like, "Oh, you guys think you're so mature?" But I mean, the first culture shock I would say for me was the sense of maturity. Okay. Right at thirteen, many people in Canada or the U.S. are like, "Oh, I'm mature," but they're more thinking physically mature, being sexually active, and things like that. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you're mature. You're just sexually active. That's it. Exactly. But yeah. in Nigeria, I think you become mentally mature. Your sense of response, you gain that sense of responsibility at a very young age. You know, no one's gonna feed you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> everything. So just curious. Of, um, what were some of the things you studied in uh, school, like in Nigeria? Yeah, was or it in Canada? Like, like Nigeria? Was it Nigerian history and culture oh, classes? Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> um, in in school, yeah. I, I I and this was back then. Yeah. So if it's different now, I'm really sorry for the Nigerians listening. Um. But, I mean, I studied science um, and I studied religion. I studied a bit of art, a little bit of business. But I don't really remember much about history. Okay. Studying history. So you don't remember history at all, like, being taught? No, I don't remember much of that. Okay. So I think any, my memory of whatever I learned in history, Nigerian history, is from people. Okay. Not necessarily from classes. When you say people, you mean like family like or family or people okay. around or. Just, okay. But, yeah, I mean maybe maybe I just completely block that side of my <laughs> head, but <laughs> but I don't really remember. If that's changed now, that is great because mm. when I think of myself and many Americans, many Americans are very versed about the American history, and it's because they yeah. drill it in your brain. Um, and even when I went to Canada, I had to take history class. So mm-hmm. I remember, I know a little bit more about Canadian history. Mm-hmm. But what I know about Nigerian history, I would have to say I learned just 
by myself or mm. from other people um yeah i don't know if they teach that now in in schools i would say they should if they don't but not sure okay yeah just to say in american school they uh teach you a lot of history but it's not like the real history it's not our, our history, history. Right. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. teach american yeah, okay yeah. yeah that's dope <laughs> awesome. yeah, we, we, we might we might uh explore that topic a little bit later but uh sarah so i well you didn't grow up in nigeria right no, but, but you I were born didn't. in nigeria yeah i was born there but i didn't grow up there um we moved to germany when i was three four so a very young age i don't really have memories um most of my life i spent in germany in a really small town so um yeah was, was the <laughs> town Bavarian <laughs> town or something <laughs> Uh, not your 300, t- 300 people town. It was a little bit bigger. It was a town. <laughs> it was an yeah. actual, actual town. town. It was actual town. Exactly. She, she keeps but reminding me <laughs> that Montpelier, Louisiana, shout out to Montpelier, Louisiana, which population has dwindled to 214 oh God, the last time I checked. She reminds me that yeah, it's it a village. is a village. Yeah, it's, town. it's a village, people. Yeah. Well, we're <laughs> proud of our town, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, I grew up end of 90s, so it was very, like, very new. Um, foreigners are very new were new in Germany it wasn't like very populated especially in a small town in Germany what, what was the city? Um, well I, I really don't want to say it. oh you don't want to say it? okay so I'm just going to keep it like okay gotcha it was a small city in West Germany so West Germany. I didn't grow up in Berlin so opposite okay Um, so I was kind of like the you know only black girl in the entire school and at, at the time that time I didn't really realize that I was the only black girl because it wasn't I mean you're like five six how do you like see color you don't see color you don't really realize it especially if you're like surrounded by white people and kids okay. and it's only until i was i think in third grade i saw a half class girl that's when i was like oh she kind of looks like me that's when it was like click it's like wait am i the only one that looks like that's when i actually <laughs> realized color wow. before wow. that it wasn't it wasn't a thing because it was such a small city mm-hmm. it wasn't like oh you know it was an issue it wasn't yeah. like a big issue and racism yeah. wasn't as a kid you don't really think about that and it wasn't like even now i was thinking oh i think it was a bit of racism now but as a kid mm. you don't realize that it's right. a thing it was mobbing it wasn't because of your color right. you know it wasn't because of your hair because i was always tell my mom oh i don't want to have braids i don't want to have cornrows i want to leave my hair out and at the time i didn't realize that i just wanted to be like them but right. it wasn't like oh i want to be lying because of my color just like oh it's nice up shiny long hair right. <laughs> instead of like a nappy hair afro conros and you know rasters and all that jazz yeah. <laughs> but at the time man you're a kid and i think that's the thing people forget when they say oh that's racism I'm like a kid doesn't know right. that yeah she doesn't he she doesn't see color it's only if you point it out and be like yo this is wrong that's mm. when, not say infected, when we're like, oh, the kid becomes like, become, um, sees the difference between the kids surrounded. Yes. That's kind of sad, yeah. So <laughs> you didn't have like any experience of being bullied? Yes, oh, I you had. Did? Okay. But it wasn't, you don't realize you, it. You don't realize it. Okay. You know, you don't realize it. The kid is think, oh, I was bullied. You know, it's just like, oh. That was nice of you. I thought you were my friend, you know? It was right. like, because of my color, you're different. Obviously, other kids know I was different. I just didn't. I was mm. like one of those talking black girls, you can say <laughs> that. Yeah, I was that really often before. I just realized like a couple of years ago, before. it's like, oh, wait, was I the talking black girl in this friend's group? It's like, yeah, I was, but you so, don't see it. <laughs> so now that you look back on it, like describe 
an experience that that you would kind of label now as like the token black girl the token black girl or bullying mm. or um, i would say as a token black girl it was quite when i was a teenager 15, 16 17 mm-hmm. um i had a had a wide variety of friends cultural diverse but i had like one group where i was they were basically all white and i was the only black girl there and it kind of fit and i didn't see myself like oh i was the token black girl but it was like throughout the years it was just like oh i became more culturally aware i was like oh we can maybe like go to this party which is more cultural diverse instead of like this party where there's only one type of culture there and that's when it began i began to see oh they're not really interested in my other side only the side that fits their needs gotcha. that fits their oh dance oh have fun oh be that black girl you know yeah. i was like no that's not only me and like that's when i was like oh i need to distance myself from people like that mm. and just you know choose who i want to be with and who are who shares my positive mindset and yeah since then i'm very very <laughs> careful with which people i hang around with and i always look at their friends it's not like oh I have one black friend, but that doesn't mean you're diverse. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that doesn't right. mean you're diverse because right. you have one black friend. Because nice. I was one of that black friend, you mean. <laughs> I'm not racist. I have a black friend. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it doesn't yeah, we mean hear anything. that a lot in America. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, now, you said both of you are from the same tribe, right? Right. right. Yeah. Which is? Yoruba. Yoruba. Yeah. Okay. Um, what does that mean to you like what how yeah what does it mean to you to be from that tribe or to be of a yoruba tribe yeah no one's ever asked me that question that's interesting yeah uh, <laughs> well i have a lot of nigerian friends a lot of here Ibo, in tokyo no like oh, general, in general Ibo friends um not many yoruba friends really yeah it's kind of like um i started going to nigeria when i was like 12 13 i stopped for like three or four years i went there each year and it was very like i could see there's even in Nigeria that is like, oh, the Igbo people, the right. Ansa people, yeah, the Yoruba people. Definitely. I'm like, aren't we all one? No, we aren't. <laughs> so if I say, oh, I have a Nigerian friend, the first thing I hear, where is she from? From Nigeria? No, 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 no. Which which tribe is she from? Right. Oh, from this tribe. I mean, I think I think the young generation yeah. now it doesn't really matter, doesn't matter. as much. Older but generation. if you go like, yeah, older generation, then Devil. they're very particular about which um tribe which tribe you're from especially yeah. when it comes to marriage and, and yeah. sorts like that they're very very particular because the yoruba tribe have uh like the a, a ster- ma, they're the dominant tribe no, I, I, I don't want to say that but thank you but they're they're there are specific stereotypes for yeah. yoruba tribe they're stereotypes for the you know Ibo, the hausa yeah. tribe yeah. so people who are ma, the older people they Definitely and and those are the good. two other major tribes, right? Yes. Yeah, those they're are like the three I main. But I mean, there are more. There are smaller ones, smaller, but yeah. the yeah. main, the three yeah. main ones. So yeah. you said it's Hausa? Hausa. 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 Yeah. And then Yoruba. Ibo. Yeah. And then Igbo. Igbo. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I read about those. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think they said Hausa, there was like... It said like twenty nine percent of people who were in Nigeria or Hausa. That's what, according to what I read. But uh, mm, I would I would say maybe Ebos, uh, not not Ebos. I would say maybe Yorubas are the biggest tribe, yeah. okay. and then 
Ibo and then Hausa. Hausa is mostly like up north, mm. like the Fulanis. And okay. So between the different tribes, do they have certain dialects of the language that they yes, speak? Yes, we all speak different, different languages. Yeah, oh, that's different why, languages. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, so that's Nigeria's no Nigerians. Like, these Nigerians. These yeah. Nigerians, I'm like, no. what is that? Do you speak Europeans? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. No. Niger- yeah, different languages. Different, a lot. Yeah. For the different tribes yeah. in yes. Nigeria. Yeah, so yeah. Nigeria wow. has, let me even confirm that, it has over 100 languages okay but, i mean the th- three main languages and then each of them's divided into different dialects which are almost independent lang- like individual yeah. languages so in other words everyone can speak the let's say traditional no, nigerian has, no, language that's not traditional um, there isn't a traditional i mean not traditional but everyone can speak english. So, right broken english. well yeah broke yeah so broke we're british colonized mm-hmm. so You'd expect everybody to speak English, but not everybody speaks English, yeah. at least not grammatically correct English, mm. which is where Pidgin comes in. Everybody speaks Pidgin. Oh. Yeah. So if you want a common language across the country, right, right, then right. Pidgin English. Pidgin English. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, then you have the small, so the small languages. Yeah. So mm. in, in total, I just checked, it's like 520 languages, but... You know, three main ones. And pigeon is part of yeah. it. And English is part of it. Said so five hundred and twenty. Yeah. Wow. Man, I could barely remember my own language. Twenty. <laughs> so you think? You, so I'm wondering, is there a guy in Nigeria that could like translate for everybody or something? Uh, I that would. Be, I would. It'd be interesting to yeah. meet that guy. I'm but I don't think so. <laughs> I don't, I I'm don't sure there's someone so. who can speak the three main. Yeah. Languages. Yes, yeah. Definitely. definitely. At least yeah. for business. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, like I said, it just reminds me of like people from New York. Be like, "Where you from in Brooklyn?" Right. All right. Yeah. And then it gets deeper than that. It's like, yeah. "All right, you from Bed Stuy? Where in Bed Stuy? <laughs> what block you from?" This is actually what you know? we just did, literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah literally. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's layers to it. You know. Right. What I mean? exactly. Yeah. So um, okay, and then back to you, Buki. You spent. Uh, what age did you move to Canada? Thirteen. Thirteen. Okay, and how was that for you uh, in the first cu- first year or two? Was it? Um, yeah, like I I would consider myself someone who adapts easily. Um, so really, apart from the 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 first main difference I noticed among like people my age mate, um, the sense of maturity. Apart from that, nothing. You know, the culture, the pop culture right the kind of conversations you have with your classmates that i had to learn <laughs> like for example <laughs> well i mean like they talk about the tv shows they watch and things like that i obviously don't watch the same tv shows i don't even know what tv shows uh, were popular at the time so you know it was getting used to talking about things like that and um yeah i think that that really was the main thing then the weather but <laughs> yeah, that was interesting for me. My first snowfall was interesting. Um, yeah, I, I was wearing capris, like, you know, the three-quarter <laughs> yeah. pants and a leather jacket on the first the first time it snowed, at least in my experience. And um, a friend of mine asked me, why are you wearing capris? And I didn't know they were called capris at the time. <laughs> so I thought she was talking about my leather coat. Like, well, obviously because I'm cold. <laughs> and she just had this look on her face. And it wasn't afterwards. I was like, oh, oh, she met the pants. Yeah. But, yeah, apart from that, really, um, yeah, I 
nothing really was like oh you're in Canada now mm. apart from the many white mm. people around mm. but yeah that that's yeah. so interesting because yeah. I have friends who came to Germany when they were 13 14 mm. I, have, I don't really have a lot of black friends who grew up or were born in Germany so a lot of my friends that came really when they were teenagers and mm. it's a really different experience than really? me yeah because they were teenagers they left right. in Nigeria they were as you say much more mature than me really you know, went to boarding school one of my best friends went to boarding school she came at 13 as well or 14 and then she was more if I go if I went to her house it was like oh she cooked she yeah. took care of, she was very mature and I was like yeah, you like. I Whoa. Mean, <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Okay. Are we the same age? Yeah, right. Yeah. Were you cooking at 13 now? No, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. I was very, very German, you can say. I, I, think, I, think, I think maybe the reason why that's the case in Nigeria is the older you get, the more, the, the, the higher the expectation of you yeah. to be responsible for something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a younger brother at the time, so I was basically responsible for him so myself my younger brother my sister we all were on this in the same boarding school so we have to do our laundry ourselves we didn't have to cook ourselves because there was the you know chef but you know knowing you have to do laundry actually doing the laundry knowing when you need to do laundry Mm. all those things knowing you know when you have to check up on your younger brother because you're kind of like his mother right Mm. so if you're not responsible for yourself you can't really be responsible for someone else when you're expected to be responsible yeah. for someone else. So I think, and you know, if you don't have any siblings, communities yeah. still expect you to have some sort of risk, like to be somewhat responsible. Cause yeah. if you're not, then that's kind of badly perceived on your parents. Like you yeah. don't have the proper upbringing yeah. kind of thing. So that's so true. What was discipline like in a Nigerian household? <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope my mom is not listening. <laughs> I, I would say I would say I was lucky that I didn't get like cor- corporal punishment, like you oh, know really? beatings. Um, but I mean, I would like to think I was a good kid, but I like, only experienced it once. Um, in boarding school, definitely got beatings. In schools, definitely got beatings. Wow. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, Corporal punishment, like yeah, with yeah, a like paddle with a, a paddle. No, a cane. <laughs> what are a you cane? talking about? Cane. <laughs> the cane. Cane oh, wow. pipe. <laughs> like uh, you know the rubber pipe, the mm-hmm. the one you yeah. use in the lab with the gas thingy. That hurt. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and you know when here in you know in Canada, when you're the teacher's pet, you get away with things. Mm. It's different in at least for for us it was different because you're the teacher's pet so they expect you to be like the best and when you're not the best you're the example they make so yeah teacher's pets don't really get away scot-free <laughs> either so yeah so so yeah because you know in the states you know it's very few states in the u.s that use you know that allow the schools to use corporal punishment you know, because when I was growing up, we got, you know, basically we got our ass whipped, you know, but <laughs> but uh, wow. Yeah, that that's that's pretty interesting because they don't tolerate that in the States. You know, you, the teachers can't put no. their hands on the kids. You don't tolerate that in Germany yeah. as well. Oh, really? No, hell no. But tell the Nigerian parents. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, let's go. No, let, let, like... let, let's go to the night. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, we so. we grew up in a black household yeah. and, you know, my grandma whooped ass and everything. Mm. You know what I'm saying? She didn't spank yeah. corporal punishment. She just whooped ass. So I was, I'm just curious as to how 
it is in a Nigerian household. Well, it's kind of different. Like as a kid again, if you do if you do something wrong, you know you're gonna get ripped. But at the end, you don't see it as a as a big societal you know issue. Yeah. Right. After again, an uh, adult be like, oh, where did you got that from? Yeah, I did something wrong. My mom beat me. It's just yeah. something like a kid, you know. So it's like, well, whatever. It was my fault anyway. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't anything big as a kid. But right. then, if you said to an adult, like, oh, what? How can your parents do that? And you was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I did something wrong. She said I shouldn't do it, and I know it was coming right? from me, and I know it was for good. I mean, as a kid, you didn't know it was for good, but later you know, okay, it was for good thing. She did it for a reason, and it was for this discipline, and especially because. We lived in Germany and we didn't have that discipline. And as a Nigerian, my mom knew that she had, she had to like you know reinforce me, not my younger siblings, because everything was on me yeah. <laughs> as the eldest. So like um, take care of them and be like, yo, she tried to bring me up as Nigerian as possible in a very very white society, especially in a time where there was no one there. It was end of the nineties, early two thousands. It wasn't as glorious as now. Like if I see my little sister, she has a Samsung whatever. I was like, I didn't have, I didn't even have my own room at the time. Yeah. You know, it was a very different time span, and I'm really happy that how it grew and evolved. And there's so many, you know, coach diverse people now in Germany. And my mom doesn't beat my sister anymore because it's like, well, she doesn't need. That. She found other punishments that much more worse. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So I guess in the Nigerian household, traditionally, there's no such thing as time out. <laughs> nope. No, really. What's time out going to do for you? Exactly. You just stand there and face the corner? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, gra- like, oh, my mom got me. I'm like, what is granny? Yeah. I'm not allowed to go out. Well, I don't go out anyway. So. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, like, well, yeah. Cliff, we found out that's a commonality that's shared in, yeah. our, in our black households. Because yeah. even in the States, uh, American households, I guess that tradition from Africa, yeah. all of my grandma to my mom, and yeah. everybody whipped ass, and kids turned out all right. You yes. know, so yeah. Yeah. yeah, like just touching on like not going out. I remember when I moved to Canada and kids would talk about, oh, you want to come over for a sleepover or oh. you want to go to the movies? Oh. And I remember asking my mother that, you know, if I could go for a sleepover, no. it's like, what's wrong with your bed? Exactly. <laughs> See, I was you never allowed to bed. Yeah. Why? 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 <laughs> well, what are else. you doing? Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, I was never it's not even like a concept. It's yeah. like, why it's like, are we why talking wanna, about this? Exactly. Like, why do you want to go to someone else? I wasn't sleeping. Yeah, let's come back home. Yeah, that's interesting. So, why uh, why move to Canada? Um, guess for my family at the time, it was just uh, better, you know, better life, really Mm. better opportunities. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I think same for you, Sarah. Africans when they leave, better life, better opportunities for the family, for the kids, um, better education. In Germany, yeah. you don't need to pay for education. It's one okay. of the best yeah, educations. True. Yeah, I've heard about yeah, that. Yeah, so it's just... So it's you, just, you went to college in Germany? Um, no, well, it's we have our school um, system is quite different from, okay. um, from even UK or from America. Um, we have, obviously, the kindergarten, kids' garden, and then you go to elementary school until fourth grade, and then... I think it's junior high. Mm-hmm. It's like from fifth to ten. I think it's junior high. I don't know. And then you have another three years if you want to go to university. So I, I don't know when college comes in there. Okay. And then I think maybe that's college to three years. I don't know. And then you go to university. Cause 
So, so you said from fifth to tenth is I think junior is junior high in Germany. Yeah, I think it's junior high. Okay. I would say, and then you have another three years if you want to go to university okay. to have a degree. You have to have like a certain certificate, mm-hmm. and you have to study for another like do school for another three years to get that. Wow. And think maybe that's like high school high then. School, yeah, high from eleven school, oh, senior high, yeah, eleven to thirteen. So you're around sixteen till eighteen, mm-hmm. nineteen. Sixteen till eighteen, nineteen, and then yeah. Then so you go off to university. But you said university is free. Yeah, university is free. Well, you pay a certain amount, like 300, 400, 500 euros each semester. And that money is just for a ticket you can... Okay. So you don't pay for university. In you just pay for like... Um, transport. Trans- transportation. Yeah, transportation. But living, kind of like small living yeah. expenses, food maybe. Cool. That Yeah, you don't pay anything. That's all I was really So short. the food and transportation, you're on your own. Um, no, or you, is that no? You don't pay anything. So they cover. Yeah, they pay. They every, cover. They cover food as well. Oh no, no! Like you pay for your own living or okay. you stay at home. But university itself, the university like, going there and study and learn, free. it's free. Okay, exactly. Well, that's that's still amazing. That's still yeah. <laughs> good. You know. But, that's uh, why. Yeah, I thought it was it was like that everywhere, but. No. Not. No. I was. I was really <laughs> not shocked. Not in America. No. Not even Canada UK. either. Not even UK. I was really shocked. Okay. I was like, why? Why? <laughs> yeah. If only. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, so, your journeys to Japan, ladies. Um, why? Why Japan? I mean, uh, well, for me, I, I. I tell people I like had zero interest in Japan before coming to Japan. For me, I really just wanted to study abroad. And um, my my initial option, which was France, because I was studying French at that time, um, didn't work out. So I had to pick somewhere else. And I asked a couple of friends. One of my friends who's Japanese um, suggested Japan. And out of everyone who was applying for the study abroad program that year, nobody chose Japan. So I thought, okay, well, that sounds like fun. I'll be the only one. I can do whatever I want. So why not? So I, yeah. That was the first time I came to Japan. Okay. And then how was that experience the first time? It was good. Um, I learned a lot about myself. Um, that was, uh, apart from moving to Canada, that was the first time I'd ever lived um, anywhere else. Um, and I lived away from home for school, but it was the first time living outside of the country very far from family. Um, so it was. So I had to be completely, in essence, independent. Um so that was it was good it's definitely yeah i think i think that was yeah when i became more conscious of who i was as a, who i am as a person and started to explore that aspect so i i think yeah very grateful for making the decision to come to japan i got exposed to the business world uh, met a lot of really cool people and my mentor too as well actually uh, from that first time, so ja- is your mentor Japanese? No, he's not Japanese. He's a professor. Um, he's American. American, actually, okay. who lives in Japan now. So, so how about you, Sarah? What, what, why Japan? Mm, I'm doing research here as a master's student. So the first time I came, it was 2016 for research for my undergraduate studies, and um, which is I, fashion related, right? Yeah, I did fashion journalism. And um, I was my dissertation, so my entire final year was all about Japan. And um, I was writing this publication, and I was like, "Oh, I can't believe I've a country I've never been to." 
So I came here, did research, traveled the country, and just fell in love with it. I was like, oh, I really want to live here, like experience it firsthand and learn more about the culture as I, in fashion perspective. And I did fashionalism, so I learned a lot about European, American, you know, the Western world of fashion. And I just wanted to have a more global perspective. And Asia, especially then here, Tokyo is like the spot to be when it comes to fashion so I decided to yes. come here after yeah. I moved to Australia <laughs> okay and then yeah <laughs> so you said you fell in love with the place what, what did you it's fall in love with it's just I lived in London for three years so I did my undergraduate in London so that was the first culture shock I had um going to UK and seeing so many black people mm -hmm. and so many yeah I was really I was really shocked I was like where, where am I <laughs> like why are so many black people <laughs> I was like wow and there are black people in all different types of um, jobs and they don't they didn't really care in UK it was a really it was a melting pot that, that's what I've been hearing yeah it's, it's a huge melting pot and I loved it and I that's e e when even I more so than like New York City yeah. I heard yeah like that's people. when I saw the difference between oh we don't really live like geographically it's not Germany and UK it's not really that far but it's just two different worlds that's when I saw the difference where Germany was really really lacking gotcha and I was like oh do I really that's when I first thought oh do I really want to stay there forever because I saw what I could get mm. versus and who can who you could be around who can be around with versus yeah. you know home yeah, <laughs> yeah. this home and you know mm -hmm. was this kind of like one tone in germany and uk abroad was this multiply tones not only blacks or different blacks jamaican and yes. you know this was like very very diverse and you learned i learned so much like just me in the uk and i thought i could learn much more here especially as a german mm -hmm. um nigerian <laughs> and explore the fashion the culture the pop culture here i really want just wanted to learn mm. say try to explain that to a nigerian family you want to <laughs> learn what the fashion what the pop culture like they're like what <laughs> what <laughs> why, why? <laughs> but yeah we yeah. have fashion and culture here in nigeria <laughs> we, have, so, we have it here in germany <laughs> exactly now are there are there like big expectations um for you as a Nigerian to like successful? be a doctor or be successful yeah, or be like yeah, do something be, lucrative and yeah I want to always I always wanted to be a lawyer so okay. I went even to law school <laughs> yeah. yeah so it was just, yeah it was kind of like yeah I'm just gonna be a lawyer it wasn't like my mom drilled into me I was just like yeah why not I mean I wasn't stupid luckily mm. I got <laughs> yeah, I mean I got into law school but I wasn't like passionate about it I was I did internships. I did everything. So it was kind of like, sure. So I was going to be a lawyer, you know, kind of stay in Germany, you know, had a life. And then I did law school for half a year. And then I quit after mm. realizing this is not for me. <laughs> mm. This is definitely not for mm. me. And that's when my mom was like, well, what are you going to do now? Mm. Oh, I'm going to London. Who's going to pay that? Oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to figure myself. After that, <laughs> I was just like, do whatever you want. And yeah, kind of. I was kind of lucky that my mom is very chill. Yeah, yeah, a bit chill. <laughs> how about how about you, Buki? How, is your mom chill? <laughs> yeah, my mom's always been quite supportive, actually, for whatever I wanted to do. 
um, even you know when I decided to come back for my master's she was I mean first it was like well I mean you could stay in Canada and get your master's yeah. Yeah, 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 it's a lot cheaper but for me the way I thought of it was it's actually cheaper for me to come to Japan to do my master's because um, in Canada um, a lot of the MBA programs are ridiculously expensive, like 16000 or more oh. for a year or a semester. I'm not about to go that much in debt for a master's program. Mm-hmm. Um, the closest I could get for the same fee in Japan was um, one university in Montreal, um, Concordia. But knowing that that's the cheapest university um, that speaks that that's English, it's going to be really competitive and I'm not really uh great i'm not really a great test taker uh for my gmat so i figured japan does a scholarship um i can get in easily i felt so i came back um and yeah she was supportive about that then when i decided to come back again <laughs> to work that was a bit more you know you know you could stay here you know if you want to in the future if you want to get married you know all those things you know, it's I a lot easier <laughs> right you know all that stuff so but I think the third time, for me, it was like, well, I already started, I already became interested in fashion um, during my master's here. And then I thought, you know, I have the connection here. I felt like my my um, career connection exists in Japan, not so much in Canada. Mm-hmm. So for me, the idea of staying in Canada and working, it just, after a year of finishing school and going back home, the more I thought about it, it just kind of, almost daunting because <laughs> I just kept imagining you know I get a job maybe at a bank a lot of friends were getting a job at the Same. bank get a job at the bank you meet somebody you know you fall in love blah blah Your blah you get a house out. you know I just you know I just yeah. kept thinking about that and the more I thought about it I'm like oh so so depressing and, <laughs> you know it's great it's very stable yeah right? it's very stable you can you know have a relatively happy life mm-hmm. but for what I really wanted to do for me it was just like uh no so yeah so you know Mm -hmm. after a while of you know you know telling them that's what i wanted they eventually came on board but you know came here started working in recruitment because you know you need the visa to come in (laughs) um (laughs) i started working in recruitment but i think the entire time i'd always knew what i wanted to do and i made that clear to my recruitment company and then when it came time to actually make the decision whether to continue recruitment or fully do what I want to do, which is in the fashion or the creative sec- the creative space, um, that was a bit more challenging to get everybody on board um, because you're leaving a career to pursue something that might not be successful, mm-hmm. right? So it's a, it's a huge risk. So, uh, but I think, you know, a lot of things were going on in the recruitment space as well and I it got to a point where I was really not happy and I'd never been that unhappy in my life so that for me was like a sign that you know but I think my my family my sister especially um realized that as well they were very important like as long as you know what you're doing and you know you're happy and you will regret it then yeah so in general I think in general I think that's the same for many African parents at first they're like you gotta get your degree you'll be a doctor be a lawyer be very successful in life in the beginning they're usually like that but I think at the end of the day they do come around to be very supportive I think that's great so yeah what is it you two ladies want to do what is 
what do you, you know what's what's the end goal here what, what what are you pursuing here in japan ultimately um i'm working as a photographer so mainly fashion and documentary and i'm working on an exhibition at the moment so really yeah so oh. hopefully soon have a sponsor cool. jameson you know whiskey irish whiskey yeah Okay. So, wow. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be Dope. really exciting. Um, you're all invited if you want to come. Oh, of course, I'll be uh, there. Um, and yeah. you know, actually, me, I met you at um, oh, yeah, Amarachi Wosu. Amarachi's um, event, Amara's yeah. event. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. your that's your homegirl, right? Should yeah, that's my one of my best hey, friends. Hey, shout out to Amarachi. Hi, you know, Amara. <laughs> she was supposed to come on, um, but <laughs> she's we, a busy, busy. Yeah, we busy had to girl. reschedule. Um, <laughs> It's, it's all good. When you come back to Tokyo, let us know. Yeah, we'll be here. We'll be glad to have you on. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm working on an exhibition um, that kind of like um, that goes against sexual ability. So that's oh, against what sexual ability. Sexual so ability. that's more like more to be that you can be more as a woman. You can be more feminine. You can be more than femininity, mm. and as a man, you can be more than a masculinity. Okay. So like oh, that's fluidity. Exactly, kind of. something like that. And that's very cool. interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like. You know, in the in in the dominant discourse, they always say that men and women are inherently their inherently nature, and they're adorned to be, you know, just men and women. Yeah, so they try to box us exactly. into these certain, uh, you know, uh, these certain characteristics, these certain things. Exactly, especially here in Japan. Yes, it's very yes. visible and very visible. With my exhibition, with my photos, I want to show that equally unnatural to box us mm. and yes. say oh you're just you need to, as a man you need to be very masculine as mm. a woman you need to be very feminine um it, i don't know if you know about the news issue that women in japan has to wear high heels oh yeah that's yes. ridiculous yeah, that. and he, but, but the guy who's talking about that is Ex- like 60 something <laughs> exactly right, and he's right. like yeah. Exactly. That shows, I'm like, mm, it's very outdated. Even yeah. like Japanese women say like, it's very outdated. Like, why do we need to wear high heels? Yeah, you know? for the, all those listeners out there, there's been a hot issue, hot yeah. topic in J- Japan news about women, be- women being obligated to wear high heels. Mm-hmm. You can look that up, read about it. It's called uh, the movement. There's a hashtag KUTU, mm-hmm. K-U. T-O-O, like, like the Me Too, but Kutu, so look that up. Yeah. I guess the uh, Japanese word for shoes is what, Kutu or something yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I, yeah. I asked my wife about it the other day, and she she wears high heels every day, but she, she's not forced to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She said, you know, she agrees that women should have option, they should oh, have a sure. choice, exactly. but she... She doesn't mind wearing yeah. high heels. Yeah, but don't those high heels mess up your toes and everything? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if she really wanted, exactly. she she's she has she's working at a place where she can not wear high heels. Mm. But I just think she she, she prefers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. A choice. You know, if yeah, you, yeah. If but that's that's the key. It should be a choice. Right. Yeah, if you yeah. choose to do so, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a very big issue globally. Give yeah. women yeah. a choice. Just look at was yeah. it Alabama? I don't know. In America, where yeah. they um, took the choice of woman's body. Oh yeah, yeah, I Alabama, mean, yeah, Alabama, abortion. exactly. So that's again. I mean, angry woman will change the world, and you don't want to make women angry, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, people got to remember scientifically, we both have male and female hormones exactly. in us, and we're going to exactly. carry them to to the grave. As a matter of fact, uh, I don't want to go too deep in the science because I'll lose myself. But (laughs) basically, you know, what, at the fetal stage or whatever, we're we're all females until those, well, do your Googles. But anyway, uh, (laughs) 
Yeah, I, you know, I, I I don't know what's up with male dominance when, you know, a woman carried you for nine months. Without a woman, you wouldn't be alive. So, right. you know, my grandma used to always say, your mama carried you for nine months, you better damn well respect women. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so. I want to give, you know, Japanese people a different choice, you know, a yes. choice um, to explore the gray area. That's the that's what is called exhibition, the gray area between masculinity and femininity. Because not everything is black and white. Right. And I just want to to give them the choice to explore that you know go in between go even above you know and you know i've that's something i've been more comfortable with um you know not even talking about personally but just uh accepting people around me who are not so in that box right a man who is more feminine and a woman who is more masculine it's okay for a man to Mm -hmm. have feminine attributes it doesn't make him less than a man than a woman Mm -hmm. it's okay for a woman to have Masculine attributes doesn't make her less than a woman. Yes. And I think that's a topic I want to you know, discuss more, especially mm-hmm. in Japan. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to do a true fashion photography here. So I'm photographing a drag queen. I photographed a, um, a Japanese guy who's 50, but who wears woman clothing. And he, mm. and he walks in high heels much better than I do. <laughs> 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 yes. wow. Yeah. Um, I photographed a composer who, you know, it's where he wears like a wardrobe. It, like, it's not the typical Japanese composer you think so he's been playing piano since he was three but his looks are very interesting just like people who are tackling that box and just you know moving in between hmm. I love he's, it he I said it. oh but it. I'm not a woman I'm like I know you're not a woman it doesn't make you less than a man just because you know you wear those clothing I love it well, you gotta remember I came from a generation where a boy wearing pink you were a sissy Right. Now, you know, no. you got you got, you know, people wearing pink because they want to, you know, highlight uh, breast cancer awareness or exactly. something like that. You know, plus to me, it don't matter your color. You know, what I mean, you know what color you wear or what you wear. It doesn't define who you are as a human being. So it's just it's just your expression, you know, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and how about yourself, Boogie? Uh, what's what, what's the, the end game? What's the pursuit here um. in Japan? For me, the the end game, or yeah, the end game is really to, well, I, I like to say, bridge the gap between the African and Japan creative industry. And for me, the first step is true fashion, because that's that's where I have the most connections in. So um, right now we're well, working towards can't really say much, but um, kind of a, an exchange between in between African and Japan. Uh, fashion industry and it would be to help um, African designers um, get stock the end games to help them get a market in Japan and vice versa the African the Japanese designers in Africa but it's not just I mean I'm Nigerian and I'm African so it's you know it's you would think it's just Afri- the African side of course that is the motivation but it's not just for the African side but also for the Japanese side to benefit so we're looking to work with um, uh, textile manufacturers retailers, institutions because without them they basically control the market um, without them nothing can be done um, so yeah but really just the creative space but starting with fashion and then eventually we would like to move to contemporary art and potentially in the future of film and music, but that's still in the, in the, in the, in the near, in the near future. But right now, our focus is just fashion and art. Wow, that's what's up? Love well, you two ladies, are awesome. You yeah, know, yeah, that's I'm, what I'm saying. I'm looking yeah. forward to the the future and what you're gonna be doing. And please 
let me know. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, we'll whatever you're sure. doing, event-wise, activity-wise, let me know. I'm there. Definitely. Yeah. 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 Most definitely. I mean, bridging cultures. You know, that's mm. what's up. You know, I mean, I love that. You know, that concept because uh, bridging cultures through food is my thing because I love to eat. You know, so <laughs> now you guys are doing it through fashion and right. and any any that. African restaurants here in Tokyo? Oh uh, yeah, there are a few. Yeah. 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 Highlights. There's um there's one I've only really been to one I know there are a few but I've been to one um and it's a uh, Shinjuku Sanchome mm. it's called Ba Esoge the guy is very lovely guy Benin it's a Benin mm. guy he's been in Japan for over twenty years now mm. uh, we have to go check that out yeah you yeah. should you should yeah. you ever been to the Queen Sheba no. Yeah, it's uh, Ethiopian. I haven't been there in a long time, and I think it still exists. But all oh, Ethiopian, f- oh my God, <laughs> to die for, you know. But I'm a food guy, so right. you can yeah. tell by how big I am. Right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, one, thing, oh, yeah. One, one thing I really like, I think, like just touching on, you know, yours is more focused on gender fluidity and like changing that, mm. you know, perception of masculinity and femininity. I think one of the drive or the motivation for you know, the project we're working on is really perception of the African, the African market or whatever you want to call it, just Africa in general. Yeah. Many people, when they think of Africa or investing in Africa, they think just uh, my healthcare. Of course, that's great. That's needed yeah. healthcare infrastructure. Um, but there are different ways to help. Um, there are different ways to, you know, to help africa i don't, yeah. don't yeah. want to put it i don't want to put it that way because then it goes into like fair trade yeah, yeah basically well, yeah to help like drive yeah. the economy exactly. right yeah, yeah. The young people there are yeah. so many talented yeah. people exactly Nigeria. yeah not even like Ghana, in whole africa, africa in general yeah, so maybe not so and the the creative sector is is contributing a lot to the gdp yeah. in africa and so we felt like for me it was like japan japan has a great a long history of you know being creative with the yeah. fashion industry art everything but you know over the last decade they've been struggling as well to an extent so it's like you know, there is that there is that connect both of them can benefit they have their history they can mm-hmm. feed into them they africa because it's really i want to say relatively new it's not new but going out to the world is relatively new going out to the world yeah. and i think because of that it's still raw mm. right it's okay. not it's not restricted by years of no. you know rules and regulations yeah, so it's, it's, it's very, very yeah it's very raw talent very like um yeah it's not I, it's not tainted so they're very the ability to be creative is really just broad and mm-hmm. japan they have you know the history of being kind of like perfectionist yes so the idea of venturing out of the normal is it's not frowned upon but kind of i really don't want to do that yes but you know working with a place where everything is like oh everything is no i want to do this i think it's very it's a very good partnership because Mm. they can touch on things that the other party wouldn't necessarily have done on their own that's dope yeah um What African, you know, whether it's photography or fashion, what African, um, let's say, fashion designer inspired you? Inspired me to yeah, do yeah. what I'm doing? Yes. Was there a particular? Because I know you mentioned about, you know, when I think of Japan and fashion, I think of Issei Miyake and mm, all those cats, right? Mm. How about an African person that... 
I wouldn't say, I mean, like, in terms of inspired me to do what I'm doing, I wouldn't say there is a specific African designer. There are many African designers who I think are doing amazing things out there, um, like a lot, a handful, um, not just as, as creators, but also as producers, um, be it in the fashion scene or in the art um one one african designer um uh what's he called uh loza loza i'm gonna butcher her last name but <laughs> loza maliembo or something she's from cote d'ivoire she's a she's a designer also an artist a photographer she d- does like exhibitions and stuff and if i want to go back to roots to nigeria um kenna Ize, for example one of the few one of the two africans that got nominated for the lvmh prize which is the first time in history that's ever happened um he's a a fashion is a designer but he also produces fabric locally Mm. um you also have many um designers who are are designers now but they've worked in hit like in the past they've worked with big name brands in europe for example um as as well, either produ- in production or as editors and things like that. So, and I think one of the um, the Ed of Vogue is African, not not the Ed of Vogue, the editor. Oh, British Vogue. Yeah. Is he from? Is he from Ghana? I don't remember. Yes, from Ghana. Edward, exactly. um, something, something. Yeah. I but, think I might have read about that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, 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 he's from yeah. Ghana. So there, okay. there are many. I mean, there. Are, I mean, you have, of course, Lagos Fashion Week. You have uh, Johannesburg Fashion Week. You have retailers, Alara. You have many, many African people who are doing like who are really, you know, pushing to change the face of Africa, at least in the creative space. Um, you have organizations who focus on African artists, contemporary artists, old and new. Um, but I think a lot of them has been true support of, of course, their own will, motivation to want to change things. But also they get a lot of great support from, from the UK, mm. for example. So I think, yeah, there I, it's, it's hard to say one person is like, you know, the motivation to keep going there's so many people out there that you look at what they're doing like yeah i really want to be like these people i want to change i want to change it i want to change africa as the way they they are i want to be part of the movement which is i think it's a good thing that it's more than one that it's many Mm -hmm. um because if it's just one person it's like oh it looks so bleak yeah exactly (laughs) Exactly. it's it's yeah but it's um yeah I, Sarah, going back to you, I know you worked with some big brands in the past, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, I, I didn't want to forget that. No. <laughs> <laughs> big brands. Um, well, I worked with Adidas. Yeah. Uh, mostly. Uh, when I was like, not a teenager, like pre-20s, I worked with them. Went to a lot of sh- um, travels with them. Um, what else? I was like kind of more of like a blogger. was when I started off. That's how I started styling. Okay. And... Um, yeah, that was quite interesting, but I grew out of that. Okay. So I was more interested behind the camera instead of just standing in front of in front of camera. I wanted to create things that lasted longer to document things. And just in recent years, um, Nigeria just popped up because I n- never had any connection like creatively with Nigeria, not at all. I didn't even know the history, like nada, zero, nothing. That's why I was like, I was learning because I, I really didn't know anything. <laughs> I was very ignorant, I would say now. Mm. But 
I would say like ignorant. It was like I would say like last yeah, five I years. Say ignorant. Yeah, yeah. I'll say like last five years. That's when. Niger- especially in Nigeria start popping up in like popular yeah. culture because before when I always went home back home there was nothing it was like there was nothing like no yeah. one was talking about oh Nigerian yeah. artists it was very like locally it's quite recent the last like, decade recent, exactly really. that's how I was like in oh when decade, did when did that really? happen yeah. like looking at all the vlogs people going to Nigeria I was like I've never I've never been to that island that's yeah, a, right, which, that's right. a which island like, that, that's, that's, that's was like 1% out of Nigeria showing mm, yeah. you better show the market where like you know you can't walk around with that expensive camera you know it's just <laughs> right, like right. I've never like every time oh that's that rich island oh what that's it's nice you're showing like you know the good I don't say the good side the you know the appealing the very Instagram side of Nigeria or Lagos or whatever Yeah. but it's really it's equally important to show the other side because that's Nigeria essentially yeah. that's what I grew that's where I grew mm. up from you know going to Lakey Market with my um, with my parents or my grandmother, you know, they know it, people that know each other for years and mm. years and years. You know, that's where that's where the soul is. That's where you sell. People sell the fabrics. That's where you know you get everything from. That's a community. That's a like community. You, you know, yeah. that's that's the thing I kind of miss a bit. You know, that's really the glamorous side. Good for them, <laughs> but they should show maybe like you know the community, the real community. Mm. You know, show how you get the fabric from, where you get the fabric from, um, designers. No, like the most people have their seamstress. Mm. You know, you go to a seamstress, you're like, oh, I want this. It's, everything is custom designed. So you don't, you know, have a designer, designer, designer. Exactly. You go to like a shop and go like, oh, I'm going to buy this, you know. But that was back then. That was right? back then. Yeah. So you can see things are changing. A lot. A yeah. lot. That's always like, oh, when, when did yeah. that happen? Designer, yeah. I didn't know we have such a thing, you yeah. know. <laughs> so... Right. It's quite interesting. Well, maybe that's a future project for you. Yes, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> All right, ladies, thank you for coming through. Appreciate we your time. Appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to do any shout outs or social media plugs? You don't have to, but. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can go first. Maybe. Oh. You have like um, two well, Instagram accounts, right? <laughs> yeah, Sarah Lavi. So. Um, yeah, I would love to invite you all to my exhibition, upcoming exhibition. Um, when is it? Uh, hopefully next month when everything okay. works out. So everything's going to be on my social media. Let me know. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Um, everything's going to be on my social media. So yeah, thanks for having me yeah. here today. Yeah, how about yourself? Um, just want to say thank you to everybody who's been supportive about the project um, and my teammate. So yeah, Seiko. Who, I know yeah, I know Seiko. Uh, yeah, yeah, hey, Seiko. I, I met Seiko. Lists, but, um, hey, I'm just saying hello yeah, anyway, just in yeah, case so this podcast comes to her somewhere come across somewhere yeah I think without the help of people who've you know really actually believed in the dream and um, yeah working together on it it would have been difficult so I'm really grateful for the people who've helped and her helping and will help in the future so yeah All right. thank you thank you thank you appreciate you ladies this is the Raw Urban Mode Podcast from Tokyo peace out Thank you for listening to the Roar Urban Mobile Podcast. For more episodes, please visit rump.podbeam.com. Or you can head straight to Google and type in Roar Urban Mobile Podcast. You can also listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you can stream or download podcasts.